Being a Better Man, episode 149. All right, guys, welcome to Wednesday. Welcome to Storytime with Alf. Storytime is where I tell a true story from my strange and interesting life. The purpose of the story is not just to entertain you, but also to share with you the lesson or lessons I learned from that story. They might even cause you to reevaluate parts of your life and help you get lessons that you never knew were there. With that being said, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. Hey everybody, before I start today's story, I want to acknowledge my beautiful wife, Luli. Today is our three-year anniversary, and during that time, she's been a wonderful help and an amazing partner in everything. I truly could not do this without her. Happy anniversary, my love. I tell today's story with some reservation because it doesn't cast me in the best light Keep in mind as you listen that I was only 22. (laughs) That's not an excuse. It's just a fact. At this time, I was a soldier in the army. I was stationed in Germany, and I'd managed to secure passage for my wife and children to join me. I lived on the economy, which is to say that I was not an NCO or a non-commissioned officer yet, So I was not authorized to get base housing. I had to find a place to rent, and I did. I had to extend my tour in Germany to three years instead of one, and I did it because I knew I just wouldn't survive without being in the proximity of my children for that long. The place I found to rent was on the fifth floor of an apartment-type building. It wasn't too bad until you had to haul groceries up all those flights of stairs. There was a meat shop on one corner and a bakery on another, all within walking distance. So we were doing okay. The year was about 1984. At this time in my life, I was living with my wife at the time, obviously, my stepdaughter, who was about three, and my little son, who was just under two years old. My youngest daughter was still in the oven. She had not been born yet. The apartment we lived in probably dated back to the Second World War. Like I said, we were on the fifth floor, and they had these huge windows that opened up like a giant door. The window was at least four feet tall and six feet wide. It hinged on one side, and the whole thing opened up toward the street. Germans liked windows like that because they could hang all their bedding out on the sill, let it get aired out. The window sill was about 12 inches wide, like a small table. I thought it was cool because it was like opening up a portal to the sky. And I would often sit and just feel the air and watch the pigeons fly around. I really loved these big windows. One day, my wife and I were home with the older daughter and my two-year-old son, Clinton who it happens was my guest on episode 5. But he was just a toddler. You know, little kids that can walk, but they walk like they're drunk. They stagger back and forth and fall down on their butts a lot. I'm not sure where things went wrong. I don't remember. The bottom line is that whoever was supposed to be watching the toddler failed. I walked into the living room 
and my heart almost stopped beating because my little son had climbed up onto the sill of the huge open window, five floors up. He was standing there on that 12-inch seal, wavering back and forth like a drunk sailor. His little toes were actually hanging over the edge of the seal, and there was nothing between him and the pavement below except five stories of air. I was frozen at first. He was pointing and gesturing at the pigeons flying just out of his reach. It was a big room, maybe 20 feet across, I knew that one slight misstep by either of us would mean his death. My instinct was to yell, but I was afraid to make any sounds, because in my mind's eye, I imagined him wheeling around at the sound and falling over backwards. So I started creeping toward him as silently as I could. My eyes were riveted on him. I knew it was possible that at any minute... He could launch himself off the windowsill in his little body that he wasn't that used to operating yet. He was unstable. He was just a toddler. Sweat was pouring off of me as I made my way toward him. In that moment, I faced the most awful thing I could imagine happening. I was trying so hard not to make any sounds as I inched my way toward him. I decided during that painful 20-foot trek across my living room that if he fell, I would dive out after him, knowing it would mean my own death, because I knew I wouldn't be able to live without him, and I thought his young spirit would be comforted if I was there with him in death. So that's what I decided. He was cooing and laughing and pointing at the pigeons who fluttered just inches from his grasp. My heart was beating faster and harder than it ever had before. I was in the waking presence of my worst nightmare. Finally, I arrived. I was right behind him, but he didn't know I was there. Now I was faced with a new challenge. How should I grab him? What if I miss and accidentally push him off the ledge? Standing in my apartment next to my son with nothing but air on the other side of him is the most afraid I have been in my whole life. I spread my arms wide, and I made a huge exaggerated grab, making certain that my arms were on the other side of him before I brought them into me. I got him. (laughs) I got him. I sucked him into my chest like a starving man might cling to a bit of food. He was complaining about the force of my grip, but I just kept holding on. Once I knew I had him and he was safe, I just started crying and shaking, and I just kept holding on to him. I couldn't let go of him for like 30 minutes or so. The whole time, my mind was playing over and over again the awful possibility that had been averted. My wife eventually came in, unaware of the drama that had transpired, and wondered what my problem was. She went over and shut the window. Eventually, I was able to release him to toddle about the house, as he always did. And that's the end of this story. It remains the most terrifying moment of my life, the moment when I almost watched my son plummet to his death, a death which I would have shortly followed him in, as per my decision. But the lessons I learned from this are almost too profound to convey. It was in this moment that priorities 
were made real to me. It was in this experience that I gained a lifelong appreciation of the things that really matter. This is one reason I always say that relationships are the most valuable things we possess. My son is a man now, a good man, with children and a wife of his own. He's not just a man, but a friend and a kindred soul. I believe this experience was integral later on when I was going through divorce and custody battles, impoverished by child support for a time. Through it all, there was one overriding theme in my mind. It's all about them. It's not about me. Whatever's in the best interest of my children is what matters the most. I believe that because of these priorities I had, I eventually got custody of my kids and I was able to finish raising them. So today's story is for everyone who has kids, but also for those of you who may have kids in the future, and every single one of you has a potential for that to happen. I hope this resonates with you because it's so important. Kids are literally the future. I believe a man can be measured by the care he has for the weakest and most helpless around him. The children of today will be the men and women of tomorrow, as my son has now become. The influence we have on them in the interim is of profound significance. Now head out there into the world and remember the things that matter most. If there are children in your life, whether they're yours or someone else's, give them your time, your care, and your love. Because it matters. Every time you do that, you become a better man today than you were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herigstad signing out.